I'm going to lead us in our Bible reading this morning. So if you'd like to open up as we continue in Matthew, um, we're going to begin, there's two parts to this morning. Um, We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. And then if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, I don't know what you are like uh, in terms of uh, putting on sun cream, or perhaps what you were like as a kid. Uh, Certainly, uh, well, I think most people are better these days, but certainly for me as a kid, um, I was... I was terrible at this uh, as a kid and uh, during my teenage years. Uh, it's, it's just so, not something that interested me. There was so much to do outside, uh, especially if you're at the beach, and I was sure that I would be fine. And so time and again, I would come back after a, a day out at the beach and I would be uh, red and sore and sorry, and then I would peel the next day uh, because I hadn't... Uh, Taking the time to bother putting sun cream on, I didn't put in the preparation. Now, thankfully, so far, that hasn't affected me too badly. Uh, I haven't had to remove any sun cancers yet, and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, But sometimes your preparation or lack of it does make a difference, doesn't it? Uh, Up here on the screen, uh, you'll have a, a picture that has become iconic, Uh, Some of you will know what the picture is of. Uh, This is December 7, 1941, and the image here is the image of the bombing of Pearl Harbour. Now, Pearl Harbour is uh, to be remembered because it actually brought the United States into World War II. Uh, It was the moment when they officially entered. Uh, But it is to be remembered too because just of the... uh, The extent of the devastation on that day, uh, definitely the extent of it was absolutely preventable. Uh, Okay, the thing is that an attack by Japan on America at the time, it was very much expected. Uh, Gallup poll even of the American 
public at the time uh, showed that only 27% of Americans, just the public, didn't expect Japan to attack America. On Sunday, December 6th, the day before U.S., uh, the day before it, uh, U.S. intelligence intercepted a Japanese message asking about the location of naval vessels at Pearl Harbor. Uh, the cryptologist who deciphered the message uh, gave their supervisor the information and he said that he would look at it after the weekend. Uh, in the early hours of Monday morning, December 7, the morning of the attack, a radar operator spotted a large group of airplanes headed for the island. Again, a supervisor was told about this, and he said it was probably just American bombers doing some training. And so one of the things about Pearl Harbor is that it's gone down in history for just the, the utter lack of preparedness of the Americans. Uh, they could have been ready, but they were caught unaware. Now this morning we have the final talk in our series on how to pray. Uh, it's a series looking at the Lord's Prayer, uh, the words that Jesus gave us on how to pray. And we come now to the sixth uh, request or petition in the prayer, and it's there at the end of the prayer in verse 13, uh, where it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, last week we looked at the, the fifth request there, the request before this one, and there we were looking backwards. Uh, we were looking at things we've done in the past. Uh, we ask God there to forgive us for what we have done. Uh, but here we are looking forwards. Uh, we're looking forwards to the day that is in front of us, and we're praying, Lord, would you keep me today? Uh, keep me today from temptation. Uh, help me not to fall into sin today. And, and so it's looking forwards. And, and so this, is, this part of the prayer here, in a sense, it's preparatory. It, it's seeking God's help for what is to come. See, in the Christian life, as we seek to walk in Jesus' ways, uh, part of the purpose of prayer is to prepare us for the struggles ahead. Uh, this is why Paul, over in Ephesians chapter 6, talks about putting on the whole armour of God uh, so that we would be able to stand against the powers of uh, darkness. And among that armour, prayer is uh, the climax of that. And so prayer has an important function in our lives. Okay, we've talked about uh, many of the functions of prayer prayer in this series, haven't we? Uh, as we pray, we're giving vent to our hearts, to uh, God, uh, hallowed be your name. Uh, as we pray, we're drawing on his strength for kingdom work. As we pray, we're realigning ourselves to his will and we're seeking his help for daily needs and we're finding forgiveness. But also what we're saying today is that as we pray, we're clothing ourselves in armour for protection against our battle, our daily battle, with sin. 
Okay, I remember a talk by a Christian counselor I once um, listened to, and um, he made the point that often when people give into sin, uh, often what they don't realize is that what happened in that moment uh, wasn't just about that moment. Uh, that normally also it was about a series of moments beforehand where they didn't access the resources they needed to, to help them resist the temptation when it came. And I've got to say that I know that to be true in my life. Uh, The strength or weakness of my relationship with God absolutely makes a difference down the track in terms of my own godliness. So prayer is an important uh, way that we battle against temptation in the Christian life. Now, before we go any further, I want to talk about a couple of matters that often crop up uh, on this topic. Uh, That'll help us understand what Jesus is saying. And so firstly, we we look at that word, uh, temptation. What do we mean by that word? Okay, just to say that the Bible sometimes uses the word temptation, uh, just to refer generally to trials or testing. In other words, just the troubles in life. Uh, Okay, James, over in James 1 verse 2, uh, says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind. And the word there in the the original is actually the same word as here. It's the word for temptation. And so um, temptation sometimes just is talking about struggles or trials that we go through life. But other times uh, in the Bible, the word temptation is actually talking more specifically. It's talking more specifically about enticements to sin. Now, those enticements might come from within us, our sinful nature. Or the enticements could come from outside of us. Uh, People, for example, sometimes encourage us to do the wrong thing. Uh, And the Bible is actually open about spiritual realities, uh, that there are spiritual beings such as Satan who who tugs us toward evil. And so temptation sometimes comes from outside of us. Okay, Jesus, for example, wouldn't have experienced internal temptation because he didn't have a sinful nature, but he did experience every kind of external, outside temptation to himself. And so the word temptation sometimes refers to um, troubles in life generally, but other times it's referring to specific enticements to sin. What then about God and temptation? How does God relate to all of this? What the Bible teaches is that God does test his people. In other words, he allows us to go through trials or difficulties to strengthen us and to test us and to prove our faith. Okay, you think of a boat builder. Um, How does a boat builder know if the boat that they've made is up to scratch? Well, in the end, you put it in the water, don't you? Uh, You test it, and that will prove its character, and then you can make any improvements. And it is the same with us and God. God does allow us to go through testing to prove our faith and, in fact, to strengthen it. Now, just to say that sometimes during those trials, 
We will experience temptation to sin, will we not? Uh, Maybe you've served God faithfully and then you get really sick and you're tempted to doubt God's goodness. Or maybe you've worked hard at a business but rising prices are ruining it and you're tempted to pursue dishonest business practices. Uh, There will be enticements to sin as you go through times of trial, uh, but what the Bible insists is that those enticements themselves, in fact, any enticement towards sin, that that is never from the Lord. It's why James says over in James chapter 1, verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And so God may, for good reasons, allow us to be in difficult circumstances, but the temptations to sin themselves, they are always of other agents, or in fact, even of our own hearts. And so when Jesus teaches us to pray in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What we're being taught to pray is not, Lord, would you keep me from any kind of suffering in life? And nor are we being taught to pray, Lord, please don't entice me to sin, because he never does that. But what we are being taught to pray is, Lord, would you keep me from situations where the allure of sin is strong, where the devil is especially active, where the enticement to sin is greater than I can bear. Could you keep me from those situations? And Lord, in those moments where I am tempted by sin, because I know I'll still go through struggles, in those moments, would you protect me? Would you deliver me from the evil one? Because I know that you are more powerful than he is. And so we're going to go through struggles in life, but as we go through that, and even as we go through times of plenty, we need to be asking God for, uh, for help uh, to keep us from dangerous situations spiritually and to protect us from sin. We need his protection and help in the struggle against sin. And so this is an important aspect of our prayer life. Now, how then can this shape our prayers as we deal with temptations? Well, to help us think about that, are we going to consider what temptation normally looks like? And as part of that, we'll press into um, how that can be shaping our prayers and, and just what the value of prayer is as we go through such Times And and so, uh, thinking into what temptation looks like, uh, the writer of this book, in fact, has already shown that to us. Uh, Because if you go back uh, just a chapter earlier to um, Matthew chapter 4, you see there Jesus himself being tempted. Uh, Okay, there, in God's good plan for his people, 
Jesus has been led into the wilderness. Uh, This is an essential moment in proving Jesus, that he is the righteous one who walks in God's ways even when we do not, and that therefore he is able to save us. And so Jesus is in the wilderness, and there Satan tempts him in three ways. And these are frequent categories for temptation in the Bible, and so uh, we think about these. And so the first thing we want to say here is that you are tempted by pleasure. And so rehearse God's goodness in prayer. Okay, notice how the temptation begins. We're told that Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days, and so the tempter comes and he says, come on, Jesus, you're hungry, and you say that you're the Son of God, so have a bite to eat. You can turn these stones into bread. Now, of course, food is necessary and it's good to eat and there's plenty of times when we see Jesus eating in uh, the Gospels and not all pleasure is wrong. Uh, But the appeal here is that Jesus would satisfy his appetite on the devil's terms. Okay, Jesus never in the Gospels uses his supernatural powers to satisfy himself, but that is what the devil is saying to do, and so Jesus refuses. And what he does is he fights pleasure with pleasure. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying, I'm trusting God to satisfy me in another way. Uh, He provides for me, and so I'm going to trust in him. And of course, God does. We're actually told in verse 11 that in the end, the angels come and they minister to Jesus. They're they're helping him. But the point is that in that moment, Jesus fights pleasure with pleasure. He says, yeah, I know that that would be good to have, but, but at the same time, I also know that God's not going to rip his people off, that he's not going to under-deliver in the end. And so I'm not going to take your bait. And friends, this is key when we feel like we're missing out on some kind of good. We must at that point remember that good that God does have for us. And so part of the way that we prepare for temptation through prayer is by rehearsing the good that we have in God. Okay, look at some of the ways that the psalmists prayed. Psalm 84, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Or Psalm 63, your love is better than life. Or Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, nothing, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is my strength, the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And see, there's a rehearsing there in prayer, isn't there, of God's goodness. And that is something which acts as a shield against temptation. You know, for some of us, this is a major area of temptation. Uh, We find that comforts of this world to be very alluring. Uh, We want ease, we want experiences, 
Uh, we want leisure. Uh, we want anything that will make us feel good. And, and we're tempted to discontentment if we don't have that. And part of the armour that we need to put on through prayer is just rehearsing the goodness of God and and the belief that actually I'm not hard done by in Jesus. Uh, uh, That day by day I have something better because I have him and that ultimately through him I do get it all. I have eternal life. I have the new heavens and the new earth and peace with God and I have a love that is better than life. And so firstly, you are tempted by pleasure, so come to God in prayer, rehearsing his goodness. Well, here's the next thing. As we look at this passage here, you'll see that you are tempted by pride. And so given that you are tempted by pride, come with humility in prayer. Have a look at the second temptation in verses 4 through to 7. There the temptation is for Jesus to exalt himself, to show off his glory. The devil says, "Uh, hey, if you're the son of God, show it to the world. Uh, Let's put on an event where everyone has to notice you. Uh, Channel 7 will be here in a flash. Stand up on top of the temple, throw yourself off, and the angels will catch you. This will go viral. Now, of course, uh, Jesus was glorious, and uh, one day everyone was going to see that glory. And what a good thing that would be. But for the moment, Jesus' mission was to suffer and to save. His mission was not to grandstand. And so the appeal very much here is an appeal to pride. So Jesus answers the devil and he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, I'm not interested in using God to get what I want. God is our master and he is not our servant. And so Jesus takes this very, very humble approach. And and when you think of all the reasons Jesus could have found to exalt himself, that really is quite remarkable isn't it? Now, the temptation to pride is for us a very real one, isn't it? Uh, Maybe you're not the kind of person that is particularly drawn in by pleasures. Uh, You don't have to have the very best things. Uh, uh, Creature comforts are not the bee's knees for you, but you are someone who cares very much about what other people think of you. You want recognition, Uh, you crave thank yous, you keenly watch the likes and the follows on social media, Uh, you want to do school at uni or uh, uh, you want to do well at school or uni or TAFE or your job, not just because it's good to do your best before the Lord, but partly because of the approval and the well dones of others. See, it's very easy for us to get uh, caught up in Uh, this. But we must seek after humility. And you know, even as we go through trials and difficulties, one of the key characteristics of going through just difficulties in life is humility, isn't it? You may know the story of Job and the great temptation that he went through. Uh, God was testing him to prove his faith 
But in the same moment, the devil was tempting him to sin. And he went through so much, uh, losing property, family, health, such a difficult story, so much sadness at the beginning, and so much confusion about what suffering is all about. And the thing is that there were reasons for what was going on. We're told that at the beginning of the story. Uh, But part of the the wonder of uh, the story is where Job ends up. After 40 chapters of wrestling with God, part of the wonder of where he ends up is just the humility of his attitude toward God, that he realizes that God's purposes are bigger than we can understand, and that God can have good and loving reasons for things that are beyond us. He has this humble approach to the Lord. And it's, a, and it's an approach to God in prayer, which is so important. We come to God as servants to a master. We come acknowledging that he is the one to be hallowed. Hallowed be your name, we pray. And that attitude of humbling ourselves before God in prayer is just such an important preparation for the temptation to pride that we face. So you are tempted to pride. And so come to God in humility in prayer. And then lastly, what I want to say here is that you are tempted by power. And so come with submissiveness in prayer. Okay, in the last uh, temptation of Jesus in verses 8 through to 10, uh, the devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and he says, you know, all the kingdoms of the world will, will be yours if you bow before me and worship me. Now, of course, uh, one day, all the kingdoms of the world would, in fact, belong to Jesus. I mean, Jesus would say after his resurrection, wouldn't he, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. And so this was actually going to happen anyway. But it was going to happen after the suffering and the horror of the cross. And so what the devil was saying was, no, I'll give it to you all now, without the suffering in between. And so the temptation here was a temptation to power. I will get you to the top and I'll get you to the top right now. And in fact, it was a temptation too, in some ways, to uh, shortcuts to getting there more quickly by doing the wrong thing. And you know, for some of us, we may not be tempted by um, pleasure or pride in the same way as others. Uh, You may not be uh, worried about being comfortable Uh, You may not be concerned about what others think of you, uh, but perhaps your interest is in getting ahead, making it to the top, having a seat among the decision makers, uh, being the one who is in the know, uh, perhaps even having the final word. And perhaps there's a temptation in getting to the top to even use whatever means are necessary. These things can be attractive. And you know, maybe for you too sometimes, the hardest thing for you about when you go through troubles is actually that you're not in control, uh, that things don't seem like they are in your grasp, uh, your power anymore. 
And so for us, as we face such temptations, approaching God in prayer is so reorienting, is it not? It's so reorienting because we come to God and we pray, your kingdom come. Uh, If we're praying as we ought, uh, there's a direction in our prayers toward God as king, is there not? And when life spins out of control, we are reminded even of the way that Jesus prayed, uh, nevertheless, not your will, uh, not my will, but yours be uh, done. And see, there's this heart posture in prayer, a heart posture to submissiveness, which when we engage in it, it helps to shield us against the temptation of the coming day toward power. So we must pray if we are to be protected from temptation. Uh, Prayer is part of the means that God uses to prepare us for those moments in our day. And God, well, he loves to hear our prayers and he loves to help us. You know, Kevin DeYoung, who has been very helpful to me in this topic for today, he he makes the point that, that when we come to God asking for him to provide us with spiritual protection, I mean... He's not going to want to say no to that, is he? And, and really, I mean, this is a way of honouring him, isn't it? Okay, when, uh, what, what dad doesn't feel honoured when a kid says, Dad, I am scared. Could you sit next to me on the plane? Or, or Dad, there's a spider. Could you get rid of it for me? Or, or Dad, please don't let my head go under the water. Uh, When a kid asks that, actually it's a way of honouring the father, isn't it? And when we go to God saying, Father, would you keep me from circumstances where I'm going to feel a particular temptation to sin? Father, would you protect me from the snares of the evil one. Father, would you remind me of your goodness? Would you keep me humble? Would you give me a submissive heart? When we go to God in that way, we honour him. God, our Father, is not too busy to care for us. Uh, Yes, there is danger all around us and even within us. Yes, we are always tempted to sin and we will always have failures, and we will always need to be returning to him for forgiveness. But we do have a father who cares for us and that we can go to for help, for protection against sin. And so let us go to him day after day, seeking his resources to resist the temptations that we face. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, uh, we want to see your name hallowed, uh, not our own name. Uh, We want to see your kingdom come, not our own kingdom. And we want to see your will be done, not our own. Uh, Thank you for the privilege of bringing these, our heart's desires to you in prayer, and for the spiritual help that we gain even through that. Father, we confess that too often we are drawn away by pleasure, by pride, by power, and we don't want your your glory, your kingdom, your will as completely as we ought. 
And so keep us from the temptations we face to put ourselves first. We ask that we would not be led into situations where the temptations of the evil one are great. And we pray for deliverance, knowing that you are greater than every other power and that you have demonstrated this greatness even at the cross. And so we thank you for that and for all your goodness to us in Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.